Remember the good old days before Microsoft Word had autosave? You'd type up some important document and then your computer would freeze and you'd lose hours of work just because you forgot to hit save? Well, that's what it's like going online without ExpressVPN. Every time you're connected to an unencrypted network, whether it's in an airport, a hotel, a cafe, or anywhere, your online data is not secure. Any person on that same network who knows what they're doing can gain access to your personal data. Bank logins, credit card details, passwords, all the stuff you don't want people seeing. Unfortunately, hacking has become much easier than it used to be. People don't even have to be exceptionally skilled to do it, and there's a lot of money to be made by selling your information on the dark web. ExpressVPN stops hackers from stealing your data by creating a secure, encrypted tunnel between your device and the internet. It's incredibly easy to use. Once the app is running, you literally click one button to get protected. And it works on your phone, laptop, tablet, and more, so you can stay protected on the go. I've been using ExpressVPN for a little while now, and I can rest easy knowing my info is safe and secure. I've heard horror stories of people who've been hacked, and it sounds like a massive pain to try to get any resolution in the aftermath, so I am not interested in finding out what that process is like. Secure your online data today by visiting expressvpn.com slash slashfilm. That's E-X-P-R-E-S-S-V-P-N dot com slash slashfilm, and you can get an extra three months free. expressvpn.com slash slashfilm. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. This year has gone by incredibly quickly, but it's always nice to pause and take stock. What's something you're proud of in 2024 so far? What's something you still want to accomplish this year? I know I'm guilty of falling into a routine and not always thinking about the bigger picture, but as the great Ferris Bueller once said, life moves pretty fast. If you don't stop and look around once in a while, you can miss it. So it's crucial to take a moment to celebrate your wins and make adjustments for the rest of the year. Therapy can help you contextualize your progress and set achievable goals for the next six months. As you surely know by now, it's not only for people who have experienced major trauma. Therapy is helpful in all kinds of ways, including learning positive coping skills and how to set boundaries. If you've been considering trying therapy, check out BetterHelp. It's fully online and was specifically designed to be flexible and customizable to your schedule. To get started, just fill out a brief questionnaire that matches you up with a licensed therapist, and you can switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. Take a moment. Visit BetterHelp.com FilmDaily today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P, dot com slash Film Daily. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Slash Film Daily for January 12th, 2018. On today's show, we're going to take a look at the most anticipated movies of 2018, according to SlashFilm.com. This is Peter Sarda, and joining me on today's podcast is... Jacob Hall. Brad Oman. Ben Pearson. Bai Chen Bui. Chris Evangelista. We got that right on one try, guys. I'm, I'm, I'm so happy for us. Uh, so let's get into our feature presentation. On the site, we listed the uh, 25 most anticipated films of 2018. Uh, we all had a vote. Uh, those votes were actually Jacob. Tell us how were those votes uh, combined into this list? It's a very simple system. Uh, basic math. Everybody made a top 20, and their number one choice, the most anticipated movie of 2018, received 20 points. Uh, their second number second choice the number two received 19 points all the way down to the number 20 receiving one point and then we just did the math and the top 25 films that had the most points from the entire team made on the list so in theory somebody's number one that wasn't anybody else's list could have made it onto this list so it, it ends up you know a, a way that we build a representative list but also some deeply loved personal favorites can slip into yeah, and uh, on the site you can read the whole top twenty-five and see our individual picks. Um, but uh, in 
this podcast, we're only going to live the top 15, and we'll start out the top 15 with number 15, The Irishman. Yes. Uh, uh, yeah, I wrote about this one. Um, this is a, a Martin Scorsese movie. It's been in development for a very long time. It reunites Scorsese with Robert De Niro and Joe Pesci. Joe Pesci, who's been retired basically for a long time, has basically come out of acting, coming out of retirement to act again. Uh, Harvey Keitel is in it, and also Al Pacino is in it. So it's you know it's this old guard of these actors who don't do uh, as much as they used to anymore, but they're all back together again for this film. Uh, it's a Netflix movie, which is it's it's kind of a big deal. It's Scorsese's first Netflix movie, and I'm sure that's going to cause some sort of issue with very, uh, I guess the word is snobby cinephiles who insist that every single movie must be seen in a theater and I don't know how Netflix is going to handle this. I don't know if they're going to give it a theatrical release. They rarely do that. And we'll see what happens then. But, uh, the film is about, uh, uh a mafia hitman who claimed to have been involved with the, the death of Jimmy Hoffa, Jimmy Hoffa, the, the teamster leader who disappeared. No one knows really whatever happened to him. This guy, the guy who wrote the book, this, this movie is based on claims. He took part in Jimmy Hoffa's assassination, whether or not that's true or not. It doesn't really matter. Uh, the, all I really care about is the film itself, which I'm just very excited to see because I'm just a huge Scorsese fan. And, and when is that coming out? We, we, do we know? There's no official release date yet. There's even a rumor. It may be pushed to 2019. I hope not. I'm hoping I'm I have my fingers crossed. I'm not a very optimistic person, but I'll be optimistic about this that it'll be out in time for 2018. Probably my guess would be December, like, you know, that that award season push. And hey Chris, what's your what's your opinion on the digital effects they're using cuz they're de-aging a lot of the actors for this? Yeah, I don't I don't know how I feel about that. I like you know, I kind of feel like I wish they would just cast younger actors to play the characters as younger. I guess I, I'll have to wait and see how it looks, you know, when footage is released. And I guess it really depends on how much time is being spent with them. Like if the majority of the movie is them younger, I guess it sort of makes sense. If you, you know, they, you're getting all these actors together again, why not make them work as much as possible? But I am a little uh, skeptical about how that's going to turn out, but we'll see. And I, I wouldn't, I, I can't imagine that Netflix won't do a day and date uh, theatrical release for this film. It just seems like obvious money to be had. So um, I think they'll do it, but we'll have to see. Uh, number 14 on our list is a film that I kind of championed to be on this list, and that is Ralph Breaks the Internet, Wreck-It Ralph 2. I was a huge fan of that first film. I think that film kind of like uh, jump-started the Walt Disney Animation Studios Assance, or whatever you want to call it. Um, and uh, it was such a great film set in the world of uh, the arcade machines and the games that are in the arcade. Uh, this film is going to take Ralph outside of uh, his normal arcade games and into the internet and uh, that worries me quite a bit but I did see some footage at D23 Expo that showed uh, some really great uh, pop culture mashups and uh, it was just really fun and funny and I hope the whole movie is as funny and charming as the, the footage that was shown uh, it does worry me a bit because you know part of my love for Wreck-It Ralph 1 was kind of like that arcade 
uh, you know, eight bit setting of that world. Um, but we'll have to see. And that that movie comes out in November, November twenty first, two thousand eighteen. Let's get to our number thirteen pick, and that is First Man. Yeah, First Man is the next film from director Damien Chazelle, who did Whiplash and La La Land. And after those two movies, I'm on board for whatever he does next. I think those two films are both excellent. I know film Twitter likes to drag La La Land through the mud, but that movie wrecked me, and it still wrecks me when I think about it. And Whiplash is such an exciting, small movie. The fact that he went from that to this highly regarded Oscar-winning uh, musical, uh, tear-jerking melancholy musical is such an amazing leap. And First Man's an even bigger leap. It is a biopic. It's a biopic about Neil Armstrong, the NASA astronaut who was the first man to walk on the moon. And it's reuniting him with his La La Land star, Ryan Gosling. So it's Damien, Damien Chazelle directing Ryan Gosling in a Neil Armstrong biopic with a supporting cast that includes The Crown's Claire Foy, uh, John Bernthal, a.k.a. The Punisher, Jason Clark, a.k.a. that Awesome actors and everything. Kyle Chandler, a.k.a. the greatest movie dad of all time. And Corey Stoll, who's an, who I think if you're listening to this, you'll remember him as the villain in Ant-Man. But he's also been on House of Cards. And he's just a really, really solid, good character actor. So it's a really interesting director, a great leading man. surrounded by all these actors who I just like watching. And a subject matter, which is NASA in the 60s, that I find inherently fascinating. So I want to see what this looks like. And... It's being released on October 12th, 2018, which is very much an Oscar window. So I, I have really high hopes for this. So, so far, no one wants to see any of the movies early in the year. I I, I see what's going on here. Um, <laughs> but let's go on to our number 12 pick, and that is The Predator. Yes, The Predator, which is uh, written and directed by Shane Black. Uh, Shane Black being the guy who sort of got his start uh, as like a, a writing wonderkind. Um, he wrote movies like Lethal Weapon and and really like uh, changed the game back in the 1980s in terms of uh, Hollywood screenwriting. And he has transitioned remarkably well into a directorial career. His three movies so far, Kiss Kiss Bang Bang, Iron Man 3 and The Nice Guys are all really, really good. And uh, this is his fourth feature that he's directing. Um, Boyd Holbrook, Olivia Munn, Jacob Tremblay, Thomas Jane, Keegan-Michael Key, Sterling K. Brown, and Trevante Rhodes all star in this. The... um, I guess the plot of a Predator movie, which is weird that we, we don't really know much about this movie in terms of like officially released details. Some of the actors have uh, have blabbed a few things here and there, but we haven't heard any like officially confirmed plot details about this, which is weird that the I don't even know what number movie this this falls in the Predator series, because you're probably including like Alien versus Predator and some of these other weird offshoots in there. But uh, this doesn't seem like a franchise that would be under such you know tight lock and key. But um, even regardless of not knowing what this movie is really about, the idea that it's another Shane Black movie and it's him going into uh, the Predator universe and working his magic uh, has me really excited about it. And that one comes out on August 3rd, 2018. Next up on our list is number 11, Widows. Yes, Widows. This one comes from director Steve McQueen, who hasn't made a movie since uh, his 2013 film 12 Years a Slave won Best Picture. So that is, uh, you know, the return of Steve McQueen. What is that going to be like? Um, that in alone, in, you know, in and of itself is sort of exciting. But the cast, which includes Viola Davis, Michelle Rodriguez, Carrie Coon and Elizabeth Debicki is pretty excellent as well. And the premise is the one the this hook for this movie is, is what really has me stoked about it. So it's basically about a group of armed robbers who die during a 
heist gone wrong. And uh, with their husbands dead, the thieves' wives gather together, join forces, and try to finish the job that the that their husbands couldn't complete. So uh, that sounds like a really, really cool premise. Um, the writer of Gone Girl, Gillian Flynn, is writing the script for this. So uh, yeah, the, the combination of talent involved here and that really cool premise um, has me super stoked about this one. It comes out on November 16th, 2018. I'm really glad that that premise isn't being wasted on like, some kind of lame Hollywood comedy, because that sounds like the kind of thing that a studio would waste by turning into something completely stupid. Oh, totally. Or even like a direct-to-DVD, you know, like a forgettable action movie or something. I'm, I'm really hoping this, uh, you know, takes the spotlight that it, it sounds like it deserves. It's funny that you guys are, are putting that spin on it, because when I when you were, you know, reciting that premise, I was kind of thinking, oh, my God, that sounds like kind of a direct-to-DVD comedy bad you know movie um but obviously steve mcqueen elevates anything that he does so what we'll to see uh number 10 on our list is mission impossible six yes mission impossible six the sixth installment of this franchise uh that began all the way back in 1996 um somehow the franchise seems to have just gotten better over the years i think with the exception of mission impossible 2 i think all the mission impossible movies have something really fun to offer um, especially Tongue, after sir. Mission Impossible 2 is great. Anyway, uh, just go away, Ben. Uh, <laughs> so um, with the addition of Rebecca Ferguson in Rogue Nation, uh, with having her come back for this new installment is exciting. It's the first time that they've had a female team member actually come back for a sequel. Uh, on top of that, we also have Simon Pegg coming back, Ving Rhames. Henry Cavill has a role in this one uh, with the infamous mustache that ruined some <laughs> of his t- takes in Justice League. Um, so we don't really know much about the plot of this one. That's kind of been the trend with the recent Mission Impossible movies is that uh, we don't know exactly what the story is. But they they crank these movies out pretty quickly. There's always some kind of big uh, stunt that Tom Cruise pulls off. And uh, as we know, this one, he was injured during one of his stunts. So that'll be interesting to see how that comes through in the movie. So uh, I'm always down for Mission Impossible movie. I'm always down for a Tom Cruise uh, pulling off stunts that he is far too old to be has any right to be doing. So I'm down to see this when it comes out on uh, July 27th this year. I'm also down for this. Uh, I would disagree, though. I think, uh, and I like director Christopher McQuarrie, uh, writer-director Christopher McQuarrie, uh, but I don't feel like Mission Impossible 5 was better than 4 or 3. But uh, I might be alone in that assessment. Uh, Brad, what do you think? Yeah, I don't. I'm, I wouldn't necessarily say that they've gotten incrementally better over the years. When I say they've only gotten better, I just mean like... Um, I, I, like they haven't really lost any steam, I guess. That's probably what I should yeah, have said. Yeah, yeah. Because I, because my, my personal favorite is uh, actually Mission Impossible Three, but um, but yeah, I just I think that the the way they've um, kept the team element together, and even though these are Tom Cruise vehicles, the team plays such an integral role in the movie, and that that's kind of what I like about this franchise. Yeah, I think it's going to be impossible for any of these ten pole action sequences to top uh, the the sequence in Brad Bird's uh, Mission Impossible uh, Ghost Protocol, but we'll have to see. Uh, Number nine on our list is Oceans 8. Yes, Oceans 8. It's a a sequel slash reboot of the Oceans 11 franchise, Steven Soderbergh's Oceans 11 franchise, uh, with a female-centric cast. Um, Look, I don't really need to tell you the plot of this movie. You know, if you've seen any any Oceans movie, you know what the plot's going to be. It's going to be, you know, a group of talented thieves coming together to pull off a job, and it's going to be light and frothy and... What attracts me to this movie is that cast. This cast is phenomenal. I mean, Kate Blanchett is in it. 
wearing really cool velvet suits. Um, Rihanna's in it. Sarah Paulson's in it. Uh, Sandra Bullock. Just the cast alone is what's really drawing me to this movie. Uh, I, I think if it had a different cast, I wouldn't be as excited as I am about it. But I'm pumped for this. And the trailer was even better than I thought it was. I was expecting uh, a sort of like point and shoot sort of direction when I, when the trailer broke, but the trailer has a lot of style to it, which surprised me. Um, I do feel like they're, it's just trying to basically ape Soderbergh style, but that's fine. I mean, uh, I'll, I'll, I'll put up with that. Um, but yeah, I'm excited for that. That comes out June 8th. Well, it's kind of sort of about the, from the same, uh, series. So I think you kind of have to do some of the style, but the thing I love aside from the cast is, uh, the suburban take on this, like that. It's not like these, you know, huge, uh, flashy, glamorous cities. It's kind of like, you know, suburban mom. And I don't know, that just seems like an interesting take, uh, on, on where to do a reboot of this series. Uh, but number eight on our list is a wrinkle in time. So A Wrinkle in Time is the Disney adaptation of Madeline Langle's sci-fi classic, A Wrinkle in Time. It's directed by Ava DuVernay, and speaking of a star-studded cast, it has Reese Witherspoon, Chris Pine, Oprah Winfrey, Mindy Kaling, Guga Mbatha-Ra, and Zach Galifianakis, as well as newcomer Storm Reid. So this is a really lush, stunning uh, take on the sort of abstract sci-fi novel that Madeline Lengel wrote back in uh, the 1960s and it is Ava DuVernay's first feature film since Selma which is highly anticipated because she's been kind of very picky about what projects she's been she's been uh, attaching herself to and this was um, one of my favorite uh, books growing up. It's a real mind-bending, cerebral story, especially one that's made for kids. And I think with the really beautiful visuals and sort of vaguely Afro- Afrofuturistic visuals that we see in the trailers um, and in the images from A Wrinkle in Time, it's going to be an even more um, elevating sort of take on this story, which is really exciting. And it also has the colorblind casting of the lead, Storm Reed, who is traditionally uh, just a white girl in the book, although her race isn't specified, but it's a really um, diverse approach to the story that people have long been familiar with. And when does this film hit theaters? It hits theaters on March 9th, 2018 which makes it the first film in our list that is from the first half of this year, uh, which does not bode well for this first half of the year, I think. But uh, number seven on our list, uh, Isle of Dogs. Yes, uh, Isle of Dogs is uh, two things. It is the new film from Wes Anderson, and more importantly, it is the new stop-motion animated film from Wes Anderson. You may remember he made Fantastic Mr. Fox, the Roald Dahl adaptation a few years ago, and that movie is incredible. It's all of Wes Anderson's usual touches but in a world that he can control 100 <laughs> percent every little detail from the way people move to the way things look it's all under his complete control and it, his aesthetic is unparalleled when he has that level of domination over the form and isle dogs is about a boy who finds himself stranded on an island full of quarantine dogs and the cast is insane it's brian cranston edward norton bill murray jeff goldblum Greta Gerwig, French McDormand. I'm, I'm just—it's a huge paragraph of people, and which is what you expect from a Wes Anderson movie. He always assembles those large casts. But in fact, Mr. Fox, I feel like he utilized those actors really well. They weren't just put in recording booths; they went out and recorded their scenes together. So even though 
the movie had that very controlled um, aesthetic to it. The acting felt very natural, even with coming out of stop motion animals. So Isle of Dogs, just by the principle of being Wes Anderson and the principle of being a Wes Anderson stop motion animated movie, is very exciting. And if it's half as charming and as fun and rewatchable as his previous one, then I'm I think it could be one of the best movies of next year or this year, flat out. And that we'll find out uh, March twenty third, two thousand eighteen. Oh, another movie from the first half of this year. So maybe I am wrong. We'll have to see with the the remainder of this list. Uh, I am a huge fan of Fantastic Mr. Fox, and I agree with you. Uh, the more control Anderson can have over the visuals, the better. Um, but let's go on to our number six, and that is Halloween. Uh, Halloween, I can't believe in the year 2018 I'm excited for a Halloween movie, and that's number six on our list. But that's what you get when David Gordon Green uh, – is taking control of this. And he's not the kind of director you'd expect to helm a horror movie, much less, I think it's like, what, the 10th, 11th, 12th movie in a horror movie franchise? But what's interesting is that this new Halloween is disregarding almost all the sequels and acting as a direct sequel to the first movie. Uh, Jamie Lee Curtis is returning as Laurie Strode, the original final girl from the first and second movies, who then uh, was killed off much later in the series, so you can tell they're disregarding all those increasingly awful sequels. And Judy Greer plays her daughter, and Annie Matichak plays her granddaughter. So it's three generations of Strodes once again being hunted by Michael Myers all these years later. And with the screenplay written by Green and Danny McBride, yes, the comedic Danny McBride, I don't know what this movie's going to feel like. But John Carpenter, who is famously cynical about the sequels and is famously joked about um, all the checks they give him and how he doesn't care about what they do because they're so far gone from his original movie has expressed his enthusiasm for this and even wants to return to do the score. So Carpenter's enthusiasm, plus just the, the sheer left field choice of David Gordon Green in, uh, to make this, I think this could be the most exciting thing to happen to Halloween in literally 40 years since the first movie came out. And we'll find out for sure on October 19th of this year. Fitting release date right before Halloween. Uh, number five on our list is Solo, a Star Wars story. And this is a film which I am uh, very nervous about, actually. Uh, you know, it's the first uh, Star Wars movie that Disney has produced that I wasn't, like, insanely excited about when they first announced it. You know, I'm not sure we need a origin story for Han Solo. Uh, you know, there's been trouble on set, you know, Phil Lord and Chris Miller, the original directors were replaced with Ron Howard. Um, but I have talked to some people who have seen the movie and they, they say nothing but good things about it. So that, that has me excited. Um, it, it I don't know. It, it, it could, uh, as Jacob writes in, in the piece, it could sp fail spectacularly or, uh, you know, it could end up being a return to that character that we all knew and loved from the original trilogy. Um, I, I'm optimistic, uh, despite all these problems. Uh, the film comes out on May 25th, 2018. In number four on our list, The Incredibles 2. So The Incredibles 2 comes 14 years after the first Incredibles, and that was sort of in the early days of Pixar, back when they were still making acclaimed movies, but not quite the behemoth that they are now. But uh, unlike Toy Story 3, which came a long time after its previous sequel, this film takes place immediately after the events of The Incredibles 1. And it 
we don't know exactly what the plot is about yet, but we do know that uh, it deals with Mr. Incredible finding out that his son Jack-Jack has powers. And it's going to be an exciting return to this really colorful, really vibrant world, uh, especially with all the voice actors coming back. Uh, Craig T. Nelson, Holly Hunter, Sarah Vowell, Samuel L. Jackson, Bob Odenkirk, Catherine Keener, Huck Milne. Milner and director Brad Bird is also going to be helming this film. So uh, we'll see how it goes. It's very exciting. And when it comes out on June 15th, 2018. Guys, I'm wondering, is anybody else nervous about this film? Because, you know, this is a film that I've, you know, since the first one came out, I've been like, we need an Incredibles 2. We need an Incredibles 2. And uh, since then, you know, we got the Marvel Cinematic Universe and we've kind of gotten these good superhero films. Um but uh, seeing the teaser trailer of this with uh, Jack Jack, it kind of makes me nervous that like maybe we didn't need the Incredibles two, and maybe Brad Bird was right. Does it, <laughs> is anybody uh, is anybody thinking that? I would be nervous if Brad Bird wasn't back. But I, my whole thing is Brad Bird also made Ratatouille. He also made Mission Impossible: Ghost Protocol, and I feel like you don't make. You don't make those movies and then make a dud like Tomorrowland and then make another dud. I think there's a fire under him and I'm excited to see him return to form with these characters that that are so excellent. We've also only seen a teaser trailer, Peter. So yeah. who knows where this movie will go? For sure. Um, number three on our list is Avengers Infinity War. I mean, we don't really need to say why we're excited for this movie. Uh <laughs> This this is a movie that fans have been waiting for ever since the Brad. I, I, I've never heard of this movie. Tell me about this movie. So, uh, have you seen Paul Blart Mall Cop? I have not. Even though it was shot okay. in the mall I used to go to as a little kid, I have not seen. Okay, it. so you, so you have some catching up to do because this takes place in the Paul Blart cinematic universe. <laughs> <laughs> do, do you think? anybody's actually going to go to see Infinity War without having seen any of the other Marvel movies? Um, I mean, there's probably a chance. I, I, I would imagine that there's probably some people who have friends who will uh, drag them to the movies, even though they haven't seen any of the previous Marvel movies, just because they're like, you know, this is going to be huge and crazy. And, you like, know, some people... I know they... someone, personally, that went and saw Thor Ragnarok, who had only seen Guardians of the Galaxy previously. Interesting. I wonder what that experience was like. They, they loved it, and uh, now they're mar- marathoning through the whole MCU. So, Well, that's that's good. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I mean, obviously we're excited about this movie because ever since the first mid-credits scene uh, from the first Avengers debuted, we've been promised that Thanos has been lurking in the background uh, very poorly trying to gather Infinity Stones uh, throughout the entire run of the Marvel Cinematic Universe so far. But now it seems like he's finally done screwing around and he's strapping on that Infinity Gauntlet and he's going to start gathering stones and kicking some serious Avengers and Guardians of the Galaxy ass. Um, you know, this this is exciting simply because we're going to see all of these, you know, Marvel characters that have been built up over this long uh, series of movies since 2008 come together to fight this threat that they've never faced before. And I think it's going to be really exciting to see the Avengers meet the Guardians of the Galaxy um, you know, it's it, it might be kind of weird that they won't all get the same amount of screen time since it's, you know, the, the movie can only be so long. This is just big blockbuster filmmaking that has such a, a rich history with so many films that came before. And it'll be it'll be great to see what all these characters do together. 
um, and how Anthony and Joe Russo, you know, really pay, pay off this long lead that we've had to this iconic comic book storyline coming to the big screen. So we'll, we'll find out just how good of a job they do uh, when it hits theaters on May 4th. But Brad, would it be good storytelling if in the end of the movie, Thanos is not able to get the Infinity Gems and pulls out some kind of device we've never seen before and defeats the Avengers with that device? Wait a minute. Do you mean that we'll <laughs> you mean by will we see Thanos all of a sudden have all these abilities that we haven't seen anybody have before because he has the Infinity Gauntlet and all the Infinity Stones? Oh, that would be weird. OK, we're going to talk about more, more about that later. But uh, let's get to our number two. And that is Black Panther. Well, speaking of Marvel movies that you don't really need any uh, knowledge of the Marvel Universe going in, this is Black Panther. It's directed by Ryan Coogler, and it is the much-anticipated first uh, solo black superhero movie coming from the Marvel Cinematic Universe. And it stars Chadwick Boseman in the title role as Black Panther slash T'Challa, as well as Michael B. Jordan, Lupita Nyong'o, Denai Gurira. Guerrera, Martin Freeman, Daniel Kaluuya, Andy Serkis, Angela Bassett, and Forrest Whitaker. So as you can tell, it's a major majority black cast, which is a hugely significant um, event, not just for the MCU, but for Hollywood in general. Is, so, is, is there a better black cast for any film in the history of films? I don't think so. I think the next one to come close is probably Selma. But this is definitely a movie that's gearing up to be a huge event. There's a reason that we put it up it's one's position above of Infinity War, just because this is a this feels like a cultural phenomenon more than just a, a movie event. And it deals with uh, the Black Panther, T'Challa, um, after the events of Captain America Civil War. And he's trying to defend Wakanda, the technologically advanced country um, within in Africa from which the Wakandans and his people are from, from an old enemy played by Michael B. Jordan, who was Killmonger, as well as new ones such as Andy Serkis's Ulysses Claw. So it's really lavish. It's Afrofuturistic. It has complex uh, action spy thriller plots. So I am I'm majorly excited for this, and I'm mostly excited to finally see Lupita Nyong'o uh, show her face in a big blockbuster um, film because often she gets hidden behind CGI characters, and she deserves to showcase her talents on the big screen in a big tentpole. You said a word there, Afrofuturistic. Afrofuturistic. What does that mm-hmm. mean? I've never heard. So that Afrofuturistic before. is this sort of visual style that's based in the aesthetics and the culture of um, African countries, and sort of it's this sort of literary genre. I think that's sprung up uh, recently. I don't have a complete uh, knowledge of it, but you can tell by the very like tribal influenced designs of the Black Panther costumes and their sort of more smooth futuristic designs. That's the kind of that's kind of what Afrofuturistic means. If um, you are, I'm sorry, go ahead. Uh, if you, if you're interested in Afrofuturism, This American Life did an episode a few months ago, dedicated to exploring what it is and what it means, and it has a lot of different definitions for a lot of different people, and some of which are aesthetic, as HT talked about, and some of which are more thematic and personal. And the one that stood out to me, uh, if you don't mind me sharing this, is the idea that. The future uh, will be black because black people have survived more turmoil than anyone else. So, of course, they will own the future 
which means that, which ties into Black Panther, which is about a technologically advanced African country, which I thought was a very fascinating uh, hour. And you can, if you look up this American's Life uh, past few episodes, maybe I'll find it for the show notes. It'll give you a really good idea of what this is going into Black Panther. Oh, cool. Perfectly said. Yeah. And uh, when does that come to theaters? It comes to theaters on February 16th, 2018. So that's the earliest movie we've had on our list so far. Yeah. So so we are having some movies from early in the year on this list, but they're they're closer to the top of the list, which actually uh, gets me excited for the next couple months. Uh, and with that, I will segue into our number one choice, and that is Annihilation. Yes, uh, Annihilation is adapted from the book by Jeff Vandermeer. It's the first book in his, uh, it's called the Southern Reach Trilogy. And uh, it's this very <laughs> strange sci-fi fantasy thriller. Uh, I gotta say, I'm actually a little nervous for this movie because I love the books and the books are very cerebral. They're very hard to, they're very impenetrable. And I'm worried the film is going to have trouble capturing that. And there's actually been, you know, behind the scenes problems with producers also worrying that the film is quote unquote too smart for, you know, average moviegoers. And uh, the first trailer they released was great. It was weird. And it was, you know, just (laughs) a very strange trailer. The, the second trailer was terrible. It made it look like this, it made it look like a Predator sequel, which is not what the story is like at all. So I'm hoping that that trailer was just cut to make it look like that to, you know, lure in, uh, you know, the average moviegoer. And I hope that's not what the final film is like, but I guess we'll see. Uh, I mean, the cast is great. Uh, Natalie Portman, Tessa Thompson, Jennifer Jason Lee, uh, Gina Rodriguez, uh, Oscar Isaac. They're all in this. Um, the plot, uh, I mean, the plot of the book is there's this sort of uh, event that causes this rift and uh, it creates this zone. It's called Area X where nothing is really as it seems. There's just, you know, life forms in this area that aren't normal. Uh, I don't want to I'm, I'm being vague because I don't want to spoil a lot of stuff. But uh, I mean, the book is great. I actually like the second book more than the first one. So I hope this actually becomes a film trilogy. I hope this is the, the start of something good, but I guess that depends on if anyone sees it or not. And this comes out uh, February 23rd. And of course we have 10 more movies that we do not talk about here. You can read the whole list on slash We will link it in the show notes. Uh, I'm, I'm not going to outro everybody here because we just have too many people on the show, but you can find all of them on slash in one way or another. Um, and uh, slash daily is published every weekday bringing you the most exciting news from the world of movies and television and a deeper dive into the great features from SlashFilm.com like today. Uh, you can subscribe to Slash Film Daily on iTunes, Google Play, Overcast, all the popular podcast apps. Uh, please feel free to send us your feedback, questions, com- comments, concerns, mailbag questions to Peter at SlashFilm.com. Uh, and please go rate and review us on iTunes. Spread the word. Tell your friends. And we'll see you on Monday.